Good morning, Lakeview Church. Good morning. Beautiful, beautiful. It's so good to be with you. We are in our third week of our Christmas Conversation series, and uh, if you've been around Lakeview over the last few weeks, you understand why we're doing this, but maybe this is your first time with us, or maybe you haven't been around for a little bit here. Just want to let you know why we're doing our messages a little bit different during the month of December. Typically, we'd have one person at this time of the service sharing a message from God's word with you. Uh, but what we wanted to do during the month of December was really have kind of a living room conversation so that you could hear from other voices of people in our church. And we've been doing this for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we wanted you to hear from multiple voices. We wanted you to have an opportunity to hear from some of the great people who are part of our church. But we really wanted you to have the opportunity to take some of these conversations into your living rooms, around your kitchen tables, into your break room at work, and to really ask some of the questions that we're asking in this series just to begin to open up conversations about what Christmas truly means. And our hope and desire for this series is that as we have these conversations, both on this platform and in your living rooms and your work environments and with your friends and your neighbors and your families, is that we would all begin to think about Christmas a little bit deeper this year. That maybe this year we would come to understand in fresh and maybe new ways and maybe for the first time ever what Christmas is truly all about. And so that really is our prayer for this series and even for this particular conversation today. I'm excited to be joined uh, again by some people from our church, people that uh, many of you know, but I want to just introduce them to you so that you're aware of who they are. And I'm going to start all the way on that end uh, with Caleb Hines. You get to see Caleb a lot of Sundays. Uh, he is up here as part of our worship arts team. In fact, Caleb is actually an intern with us this year and is working uh, throughout the school year as an intern with our church and particularly in the area of worship arts. He's a student at Indiana Wesleyan University. And just a quick story about Caleb and his new bride, Kevalina. You guys have been married for how, how many months now? Maybe six. Six months. <laughs> he said maybe six, Kevalina. He's, he's not keeping track. But, but I, I just want to brag on them a little bit um, because when they asked me to officiate their wedding, and that, by the way, that's what it's called when you get to be the person up front doing the ceremony. It's officiating. Sounds like a competition, but, but you get to officiate weddings. And so when they came to ask me to be the officiant at their wedding, they brought me a hockey puck that said efficient on it. And that is the coolest way to be asked to officiate someone's wedding. So good job, guys. Way to go. Next to Caleb is a friend of mine, Nikki Nettleton. We actually went to college together back in the day. And uh, Nikki works for Global Partners, which is the mission arm of the Wesleyan Church. And uh, her and her husband, uh, Trent, have been a part of our church now for the last couple of years. And we're so glad to have you and excited to see how you contribute to this conversation today. Next to Nikki is a new friend uh, over the last couple of years, David T. Garden, uh, who has joined our church. He's got a fan club. He is ready for today. And uh, if, you, if you've never had a hug from David, you should ask him for one. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of Sunday morning, or really anytime David's here, uh, he just 
wraps those big arms and just hugs me and I feel like the embrace of God is around <laughs> me when David hugs me. So, so excited uh, to get to have David as part of this conversation. And then uh, right next to me is Bree Gown. Bree serves as a, you've got a fan club too. It's impressive. Um, so your husband got some brownie points there, I yeah, think. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so Bree is a teacher at Mississinawa High School and gets the opportunity to introduce kids to uh, all kinds of history lessons mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and introducing them to the joy of knowing not just what's happening in our world right now, but what has happened in our world that's brought us here. And so, congregation, can we just take a moment and just express our appreciation for this group that's joining us today? As I was thinking about our conversation today, uh, we're going to be talking about memories, Christmas memories, and kind of the impact of Christmas in our lives. And as I was preparing for our time, I was thinking of some of my memories, and there are lots of them. I I remember like gifts I got at certain points that were, you know, pretty astounding to my little brain as a kid. And then I remember uh, as we started having kids, the gifts we gave and what the joy of that side of the equation was like. And certain kinds of food that my mom would make and decorations, all kinds of fun things. But there were two memories that stuck out to me, one of them funny and one of them serious. And uh, we might get to the serious one, but I wanted to make sure I shared the funny one. This, This literally is a memory that is just, it's etched on my brain. I was probably about seven years old. I didn't understand age at that point because I was still measuring half birthdays. At some point, you wise up, and you just, you just stay the age you are for as long as you can. But when you're seven, you want everyone to know you're seven and a half. And uh, I, I think I was about seven and a half at this time, and we had some family that came to visit. And this family that came to visit, we'd never met them before. They lived in Texas. So it was this mysterious family that was coming to be with us. And it was actually my mom's uncle. And they were from Corpus Christi, I think. And and so they came and we spent the entire Christmas holiday at my grandparents' house being with this family from Texas. And I remember one night uh, we were sitting there. It was like one of the first nights they'd arrived. And we were all kind of hanging out. We were eating great food and laughing and telling stories and And I remember looking across the table at Uncle Tom. He's the only one from the family that I remember because of how this memory shocked my seven-and-a-half-year-old brain. Um, But I just remember looking across the table, and he had a full head of gray hair. So I thought, he must be really old. Um, Again, I was seven-and-a-half. I just assumed gray hair meant you're old. So he's probably like, I don't know, 60. I don't know. That's what I thought at that time. He probably was about 60 at that time which was really old to a seven and a half year old. Now at 47, I'm like, that is just getting started. So, um, but, but I remember looking at him and thinking, man, what a neat guy. Like he's just funny and he tells good stories and, and, and look at that hair. I mean, it's amazing. And, uh, and so then, you know, the evening winds down, he goes upstairs. I stayed overnight at my grandparents' house which I often try to do as much as possible. And, and I stayed there, and I got up early in the morning, and I was sitting downstairs, uh, probably watching cartoons or playing with toys or something, and, and Uncle Tom came down the stairs into the living room where the second floor comes down into the first floor. And, and I remember sitting there. I was facing the stairs, and Uncle Tom walks down the stairs, 
And at some point in the middle of the night, he had lost all of his hair. (laughs) I just remember sitting there as a kid and thinking to myself, what has happened to this man? (laughs) It took took my grandmother a little bit of time to explain hair pieces to me, (laughs) which she did. And I remember as a seven and a half year old kid, after my grandmother explained hair pieces to me, praying, dear God, please don't ever let me lose my hair. So, so sorry, brother. <laughs> so, so that is a, that has, I mean, it doesn't seem like it has a lot to do with Christmas. It happened at Christmas. And so it's a Christmas memory. It's kind of like Die Hard. It's, is that a Christmas movie? Yes. It happened at Christmas, so it's a Christmas movie. So um, what, what do you guys think about, when you think about most vivid Christmas memories, what, what sticks out in your mind and, and what makes it stick in your mind as a Christmas memory? I guess I'm going first. Go for it. Go for it. We were talking earlier. Uh, in uh, 1968, I was nine, nine years old almost 10, and uh, Apollo 8 orbited the moon. Ah, yeah. And the astronauts, the three astronauts took turns reading the first five verses of Genesis. Ah, yeah. And that's, you know, I couldn't think of a great toy or anything, but that stuck out in my memory. How about that? I mean, that just, it just come to me just like a week ago. Yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty neat. Huh. Because I wasn't raised in a church family. Yeah. And, but that was very powerful as a kid. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I wasn't around back then. But <laughs> 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 one of my um, most memorable Christmases was actually our first Christmas as missionaries in Croatia. And this was my first Christmas away from family. Uh, we had only been missionaries for like four and a half months. We were still learning language. We were what I would say headache conversational, which just means we had a headache a lot of time, and probably everyone else listening to us had one too. But we had made a few friends, and one of them was this lady named Vinka, who sold eggs at the market. And so she had taken a special interest in us and invite me, you know, had hung out at her house. And so when Christmas Eve rolled around, she wanted to make sure that we had some place uh, to wait up for Christmas morning, which was like a custom there. So we went over to their house, and it's no exaggeration to say that their entire apartment was no bigger than our living room up here. And so it was, you know, you couldn't get through without someone standing up and, you know, letting you pass. Uh, but in that little space, they had enough room to welcome us as their, their um, barely verbal family members from America. And they shared all the treats with us. And of course, we had a lot of fried eggs. I mean, what else would we have? <laughs> uh, we waited up for New Year's. We walked out into the neighborhood and, and heard all the midnight fireworks and things going on. And we'd go back to her house. and. By the time we went home in the early morning hours, we were, you know, our heads really did hurt, but our hearts were really full. And I think it was just such a, a memory of being welcomed in as a stranger and learning what it really means to watch and wait for Christmas. It's, it really just sticks in my mind as, as a memorable Christmas. 
I think for me, like going off of watching and waiting for Christmas, one of the big memories for me, we had fake trees growing up and I was okay with it because it was a competition with my sister and I, how fast we could do it beating the year before, how fast we could put the tree up. Um, but one thing that I loved is we had these Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from like the claymation ornaments, the set that we had had since I was little. And I would mold the tree branches to become like little houses. This is me, okay? So I would make these little houses throughout the whole thing and I would play. During Christmas time, I wouldn't play with any of my other toys, I'd play with the Christmas tree with my ornaments. Um, and we would listen to records and I actually brought one of them up here, because I'm a visual person. It's Christmas is, it's got all of the greats. You got like Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby and like Doris Day and Julie Andrews. And um, we'd listen to Christmas records and I still listen to these, to these and it's been really special because this is the first year that Lakeland is like active at Christmas. So she was like six months old last year. So it wasn't really, she would lay under the tree and like kick her feet, but now she's playing. Um, and I think for me, we have those ornaments on the tree because my parents gave them to me. And we've been putting the records on and she calls it sound. So she goes sound and she points at the record player. <laughs> and we turn the record player on and she says tree and we turn the lights on on the tree and then she'll just sit and she'll play with the ornaments. And I think for me, being able to see that magic that like happened for me as a kid waiting for Christmas. Um, I think seeing her experience the same joy with those ornaments, I think has just been really special because that was an imprint on my mind and to think that that might be an imprint on hers in the future when she looks back at Christmases has just been really special. I'll let Caleb share his memory, but yesterday we went shopping <laughs> and uh, my wife said, hey, we've got some Christmas shopping to do, so will you come with me? Which wasn't really a question, <laughs> but you're, you're coming with me. So, so yesterday we did a lot of waiting in parking lots for spots to open. And God bless that person in that Volkswagen that stole my spot. <laughs> I was... So happy at Christmas. <laughs> so, Caleb, what's a memory for you that sticks out? Yeah, um, so mine has to do with my most impatient Christmas. Um, my freshman year of high school, uh, I played trumpet uh, all throughout. And so my parents, they decided they were gonna get me a trumpet, but they told me that Thanksgiving. And so we went on Thanksgiving and we, we found like the best trumpet and we're like, yes, this is the one. And then for three weeks, it sat underneath the tree. So I kept on walking past the tree every day being like, I'm ready for you. I'm coming after you. But I just had to wait so long for it. But it made the present worth it at the end. Yep. Yep. So we obviously have lots of things we think about when we think about Christmas because there's lots of stuff in this holiday. But when, one of the things we've been doing throughout these conversations kind of coming back to the message of Christmas, like what's the beginning of it all? And what for you was the first moment you understood the true message of Christmas and kind of how did you come to understand the Christmas message? I think for me, um, we were in a, I was in a Christmas pageant, like little kid Christmas pageant. So I think like Charlie Brown Christmas, them, all the little kids dressing up. And I was Mary and my friend Broxell was Joseph and they needed a baby doll to play Jesus. And so I offered my bitty baby, my American Girl doll bitty baby doll that I had just gotten the Christmas before to be baby Jesus. And I remember being very um, protective of baby Jesus because it was my bitty baby doll. <laughs> And there was one particular um, rehearsal that we were having. My mom was sitting in the front row. 
Um, and I got a little sassy <laughs> with my friend Brock picking up baby Jesus because he wasn't holding, holding Jesus right. And I remember my mom coming up to me and saying, Bree, we have to share Jesus. And I think in that moment in my like little kid brain, I think I was like seven years old, um, I remember thinking she means more than just sharing my bitty baby doll. And I think throughout like the rest of those rehearsals and actually doing the performance for our church, um, it just kind of clicked with me that it wasn't just about sharing the physical bitty baby Jesus, it was about Christmas was about sharing Jesus with others. Um, and so my mom was reprimanding me, but she was also teaching me a lesson mm -hmm. in the same moment, and that stuck with me. Yep, that's good. David, you didn't grow up in a church family, so when did Christmas come to make sense to you? Uh, elementary school, actually. Uh, I don't know how they do things in school today, but I had a fourth grade teacher that read out of the Bible huh. and, and the story of Jesus. Yeah, the wise man and, the, yeah. and all that, that has stuck with me for years, even though it took me several years to, you know, to, to get involved in the church and, sure. and accept Christ as my Savior. Huh. But it was, it had planted early, early on. Yeah. So, you know, I feel that I've been blessed, you know, at yeah. an early age, it just took me years to, you know, to get my will out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Be done. sure. But those seeds were planted. Yeah. And you're able to like recall and look back yes. on them. I can, yeah, you know, hindsight is 2020. Yeah. I can I can look back and see, you know, how it impacted my life. And yep. it just took me years to, for it to sink in. Mm -hmm. I'm slow, but I do poor work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I grew up in a Christian family, but like that idea of like seeds being planted Every, every year since I understood like when I was eight, I started to have like this understanding of like what Christmas was. But ever since then, there's always been something new uh, about the Christmas story, something, another like ounce of meaning that I've found. Um, so that's really similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, for me, I, I accepted Christ when I was in the fourth grade and, um, you know, grew up in a Christian home. But honestly, when I, I think about like where the message of, of Christmas just really hit me, I think it was like later when, um, I mean, I was actually even in ministry, yeah. but it was an election cycle. And um, I was really struck by Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven, um, that unto us a child would be born, a savior given, and the government would be on his shoulders. You know, wonderful counselor, da 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 da. And of the increase of his government and peace, there would be no end. Mm -hmm. And I think that just so impacted me this idea that God is king, Jesus is king. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter who we as mere mortals might elect into office, of the increase of his rule and reign, there will be no end. And that started. At Christmas. Yeah, that's good. Obviously, since the first time Christmas made sense to you, uh, there's been other realizations you've had, and maybe this year coming into Christmas, maybe there's even new realizations you've had even in the last few weeks as you've thought about Christmas. What would you share with the congregation 
to say, this is what Christmas means to me today. A little bit of testimony time here now. So what does Christmas mean to you today? <laughs> <laughs> Throw me over the bus. <laughs> Are you feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking this way. Yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, I think this is uh, probably the best Christmas this year. Mm-hmm. It just with uh, my growth mm-hmm. and it just, the, the, the life change. You know, my life is uh, completely different from the way it used to be. And now yeah. I have a. Um, I have a peace and. Um, Genuinely, genuinely happy, you know, all the yeah. time. Yeah. And it, it just, it's where my heart is now compared yeah. to where it used to be. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I tried to fill my empty soul with other things other than God. And when I, you know, surrendered my will and yeah. God has changed my life. Yeah. I've yeah. been blessed. Yeah. And, uh, I know you feel it, you're experiencing it, but we can see it. The joy that you bring, the love, the desire to serve others, uh, those things are growing inside of you, and we get to see it. And so I know you're experiencing it from your side, but yeah. we're experiencing it as you're growing in it, and it's just a joy to see. So thanks for sharing that with us. You're I think for me, um, two words that are just really special to me right now are hope and peace. And in Advent, just the season of watching and waiting, you know, looking back, remembering his first coming, but looking ahead and with hope that he is coming again. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think I've put a lot of pressure on myself to make things good and right and just to think Jesus is the one who's going to make things good and right. You know, he's coming again. And hope, you know, we, I love the definition of hope, that hope is expecting good from God, you know, and we can expect good from God. He is going to make things good and right, and I think that just gives me a lot of peace. We talked a lot about culture last week and, like, what culture says about Christmas, Um, and one thing I think that culture gets right is, like, the idea of family, um, that family is a big, like, part of the Christmas story. Uh, and so this is the first year, obviously, that I'm married, and so I kind of have my own family dynamic. Um, but I guess this year, Christmas is about, like, coming together as a family with Christ being the center mm-hmm. of the relationship between mm-hmm. a man and his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to this record, um, <laughs> old soul, and I teach history. <laughs> um, so the title of its Christmas is, um, and I know that is kind of like what... You, you opened it up for me to get back to it, so thanks. Um, so we talked about it last week, but it talks about like all these things that Christmas is, um, and there's this song that's on it. Um, so like Christmas is holly, Christmas is children not wanting to go to sleep, um, children like Christmas is, just all of these different things that Christmas is, but it never says anything about Jesus. Um, and it's kind of just, made me think, I've thought so philosophically about Christmas since you've asked me to be on this, like more than I ever have before. And then I was sta- I was in 
um, line at Meijer, which they actually had a lot of aisles open, and there was this huge line yesterday because everyone's just trying to get to the store, right? Like you experience the guy Volkswagen <laughs> yeah. stealing your spot. Yeah. And I was just standing there waiting and just looking around, trying not to be on my phone. I deleted Facebook off my phone. I'm trying not to scroll. I'm just trying to be like present. And I'm looking at all the magazines, right? Not actually, just like kind of staring, what are they saying today in the tabloids? Just like, what's happening? And I look and there's a People magazine, 100 people that like affected, like impacted the world. And there's 12 people on the cover. And only one, like Jesus is on there, so that's good. Jesus is on there. But you have other people like Mother Teresa and MLK and Abraham Lincoln and um, Eleanor Roosevelt and uh, Thomas Edison and all these different people that have impacted the world. And all of them are positive. And then at the very bottom, left-hand corner, you have um, Hitler too. So he made the cover too, which was interesting. Like thinking at it from a, like a perspective of like a history teacher, I'm like, yes, all these people have impacted the world. But there should only be one person on that cover, right? Um, and I think of Philippians 2.8, I believe. Um, and I told Derek, I was like, I'm not, I've been working on this verse all week, <laughs> but um, you can help me out if I butcher it. Um, and that just, that's what Christmas just means to me today, which is, oh gosh, I'm getting all nervous to quote it now. Can you quote it for me? <laughs> Philippians 2a, it's um, that he was found um, to come to be found in human form, yep. uh, that he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. You got it. And yes. <laughs> um, and so I think for me, Christmas is... Jesus coming as a baby, but ultimately to go back to what you were saying, Nikki, it's that he's gonna cut like he died on the cross, but then he's coming back, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like that's what Christmas is. Mm-hmm. It's not just about his first coming, it's about what his second coming means too, mm-hmm. and everything in between. So yeah. I'm so long winded, I'm sorry. No, you're great. It's great. <laughs> um, you said earlier that Christmas is about sharing Jesus, and if you were gonna share Jesus, uh, with this congregation or with people in our community, how would you kind of summarize Christmas? What's your elevator pitch? What's the one or two sentences that you'd say, this is what, this is what Christmas is? <laughs> what, so yeah, what, what, would you, what would you say Christmas is in one or two sentences? Wow. No pressure. No. <laughs> yeah. Come on, worship intern. <laughs> I would say that Christmas is the unifying of, of all people um, to just realize who Christ is, like a, a unifying realization of just who Christ is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Christmas is, you know, when Jesus joined a human family and became like us so that we can join his heavenly family and become like him. Mm-hmm. That's Ditto. That's what I was going to say. Eternal life. Mm-hmm. Peace. Mm-hmm. Love. Yep. Harmony. Just, it's just, it's everything. Yep. It's good. Uh, I was thinking about a couple of sentences from the Gospel of Matthew that I think really kind of summarize what Christmas is. And we actually read these last week, if you were here. But Matthew chapter 1, 
beginning in verse 21. This is what it says. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I think it's interesting that Joseph and Mary were tasked with giving him a name, but the prophet had already given him a nickname. His name is Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins, but you're going to call him Emmanuel because he's God with us. And I think about what did Jesus come to do? He came to save people from their sins, but who is Jesus? God with us. And to me, it's those two things that really summarize what Christmas is, right? God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and he did that to save us from our sins. And that, to me, seems to summarize what Christmas is. So last question uh, for today's conversation. We've talked about kind of what Christmas is, what it means, how we've come to understand it. what do you think the impact of that message, that meaning is on a person's life? And maybe even to think bigger, since we've talked about the increase of his government will never end. Um, what's the impact of this message on the world? So think, what's the impact on people? What's the impact on the world? So I think back to 1914. History like teacher. Did, yeah, I'm just kidding. I was not alive back then. But um, history teacher, yeah. I think of um, the Christmas um, truce, Christmas ceasefire. And if you don't know about it, in World War I, here I am putting my teacher pants on. <laughs> in World War I, um, there was trench warfare. Um, and so you had the Germans, and then you had the British, and you had the French, and you had the Belgian um, trenches. And then in between it was no, no man's land. On Christmas Eve of 1914, they were singing. The German soldiers started singing Christmas carols. And the British soldiers were like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? Um, And then all of a sudden, in English, the British hear the Germans yell out, because the trenches weren't that far away from each other, come over here. And they're like, (laughs) you were just like trying to kill me. So no. Um, But they said, you come halfway, we'll come the other half. And so groups of soldiers, and it's believed to be estimated that across the trenches, across France, there was over 10,000 that participated in this. Um, ten, anywhere between 10 to like 100,000, because we don't really know. Um, but they came out and they went on to no, no man's land, which was just covered in dead bodies and just all sorts of just, just barbed wire and all sorts of things. And they came together not to kill each other, but came together to be brothers, to show love and just what Christmas is, which is not war, which is not hate. And for like the next like 24 to 36 hours, they buried their dead together. They prayed over each other. They sang Christmas carols. They gave each other haircuts. They played soccer. Like they just enjoyed each other's fellowship. And then after Boxing Day, which is December 26th, um, they went back into the trenches, and then the war continued for many years. But it's just like that moment where just the ceasefire 
it just, I think that that's really impactful <laughs> on what it can mean to the world. That's good. Yeah, when I think about, even just all we've talked about, you know, here we are living in the in-between of what's already and what's not yet. And so when I think about that, to me, it brings new um, perspective on the phrase, this is the day of salvation. Mm. This is the day of salvation, and we have such good news. Um, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. And so he commissions us, based on that, to go out and share that he is coming back. He's made the way to the Father. And so, yeah, I think that's the impact of this. For us personally, this is the day of salvation. And for us as a church, there are so many people who haven't heard this news yet um, all around the world. This is the time for us to share it. There's a sense of urgency in that, in which, like, we, there's Christ has come to save all of us and to uh, allow for a way to be with the Father. Uh, but there's also a sense of urgency for us who know, like, the meaning of Christmas. Like, what are you doing just sitting here? Like, let's mm -hmm. let's go out and tell the gospel. Yeah. And so it's, there's like the dual meaning of yeah, yes, there's peace, but there's also an urgency in go and tell. Mm -hmm. The Savior was born. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Yeah. He came to earth for us. Yep. Yeah. The reality of Christmas, I think, uh, it has uh, so much potential in a little baby wrapped in cloths laid in a manger that it literally changes the whole world. This little child um, that was born in an out-of-the-way place, no room for him in the inn, all the stuff that was part of that journey, and uh, this little baby born uh, among animals, and this baby changes the world. Mm -hmm. and, and we know he changes the world because uh, for us sitting up here and for so many of you, God's already changed your life, and he's continuing to change your life. And if he can change my life, and if he can change your life, what, what would keep him from changing anyone's life? What would keep him from changing whole communities, whole cities, states, nations? Um, there's so much potential in this, in this little baby, and... Christmas is an opportunity for us to share Jesus. Your mom was spot on. So, um, so I'm going to uh, talk a little bit more here at the end. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to let these guys get off the stage. So would you uh, celebrate them, thank them for their uh, contribution? I was thinking about that verse that I read uh, just a little bit ago in Matthew chapter one, just thinking about the fact that his name is Jesus because he's gonna save people from their sins. That's, that's what Mary and Joseph were told to name him. This is what he's gonna do. But then I was just thinking about the fact that uh, before he was ever born, the prophet said, this is gonna be his nickname. This is what people will know him as. 
and uh, you'll know him as God with us. And I was just thinking about what that means, that God would take on flesh, and I think Nikki said it so perfectly, that, that Jesus would join a human family so that we'd have an opportunity to join a heavenly family and, and know who God is as our Father. You think about the fact that, that Jesus is God with us. Why, why would God become one of us? I mean, since he's the creator of everything and the author of all that is, couldn't he figure out a different way to write the story? I mean, I think he could. I think he could have saved the world a hundred different ways, maybe a thousand different ways, maybe a million different ways. And yet, when God decided to save the world, he decided to become one of us. Why would God do that? Well, the book of Hebrews tells us why. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us so that he would identify with us in every way so that we would have a high priest, the Bible says, who, who would know what our experience was like. The, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. In other words, the things that want to pull you into a life that, that doesn't reflect good choices and that will take you down a path that makes you become the person you don't really want to be, the person you were not created to be, Jesus experienced all of those temptations. But he didn't make those choices. He was without sin. And when you think about this idea of identification, you think about the fact that Jesus knows what your life is like. Not just because he watches you go through it, but because he's lived a human life just like you. And all the stuff you've experienced, Jesus experienced. I mean, you think about it. He had, he had brothers and sisters, the gospels tell us, and they thought he was crazy. They actually, Jesus was teaching a group of people and his brothers and sisters broke in and said, we're so sorry, he's out of his mind. We're gonna try to take him back home now so you don't have to deal with him. Jesus experienced that from his brothers and sisters. And Jesus had close friends who, who he loved, who died. And it broke Jesus' heart. Jesus experienced grief. You can see him when he stands outside the tomb of Lazarus, his dear friend, and he faces the reality. Even though he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few minutes, Jesus is heartbroken that Lazarus is gone. And he weeps. In another place, Jesus has a close friend who actually betrays him. His friend goes to the authorities and says, I know how you can arrest Jesus and I'm gonna help you do it so that you can do whatever you wanna do to him. And Judas betrayed Jesus and turned him into the authorities. Some of you know what it's like to be betrayed. I want you to know Jesus knows too. Jesus had another close friend, one of his inner circle. And Jesus said to him, you're going to actually deny me. You'll, you'll forget about me. You'll turn your back on me. And then Peter said, no, no, I will never do that. But 
later that night, Peter did exactly that. Jesus knows what it's like to have friends who let you down. Jesus has experienced that. And Jesus, Jesus knows what it's like to lose a parent. We know this because when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looks down at his mother Mary and he says to John, one of his disciples, John, I need you to take care of her. And John would never have needed to take on that responsibility if Joseph were still in the picture. The fact that Jesus is providing care for his mother through John would suggest to us that Joseph had died during Jesus' earthly life. Jesus knew what it was like to be at the funeral of a parent. And we could go on and on and on talking about the ways Jesus identifies with you. But here's what I want you to know today. Whatever you are going through, Jesus understands. He gets it. So if you're facing the pain of family relationships that aren't all you want them to be, I just want you to know Jesus understands. And if you're walking through this holiday season and there's grief and there's loss in your heart, I just want you to know Jesus understands. And if you're dealing with betrayal and hurt and heartache, I just want you to know Jesus understands. And if you're in a place in life where you've been trying to chart a new path and a new course, but you just keep getting pulled back into the old way of living, I just want you to know Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted and pulled down paths you don't want to go down. I just want you to know today Jesus understands. And some of you need to hear that today because you've been walking with Jesus, but you feel like Jesus is so far away from you right now because of what your circumstance is. And I want to just let you know, Jesus understands. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he says to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of you feel that way right now. I just want you to know he understands. So whatever you're going through today, you don't need to hide it from Jesus. You don't need to keep it to yourself. You don't need to just talk about it to other people. I just want you to know you can talk to Jesus. And when you tell Jesus what's going on in your life, he's just going to say, I know. I know. And it's going to feel in that moment as if you're getting one of those big hugs from David Teagarden. You're going to just feel the arms of God wrap around you in that moment because Jesus understands what you're going through and what you're facing. And as you walk through this week leading up to Christmas, I want to just encourage your heart today. There's nothing you're experiencing that when you share it with Jesus, Jesus is going to say, huh, I never saw that coming or I don't have any idea what that's like, you're never going to hear that from Jesus. He's going to say, I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what you're dealing with. And I'm right here. And so this morning, as we close our service, I want to just invite everybody, if you will, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Because I think some of you today are in a place where you just, you just maybe need to acknowledge that you need a fresh conversation with Jesus. And 
And right now, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands or, or do anything other than right where you're at this morning, I'm going to give you just a moment or two of silence to just have that conversation with Jesus. And all I want you to do is say, Jesus, here's what's going on in my life right now. If you feel broken, if you feel hurt, if you feel pain, grief, loss, if you're confused, if you don't see the pathway forward, if you don't know what the next step is, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is happening right now, would you just talk to Jesus about it in these moments of silence? accepted the grace of Jesus, the message of, of what Jesus came to do to provide a way for the distance between you and his father to be closed so that you could be brought back into a relationship with the God who created you. If you're here today and you would say right now, you know what, I want to accept the offer that Jesus has made to be saved and to become a child of God. All I want you to do is right where you're at, no one's looking around right now, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Would there be anybody here who wants to accept the offer of salvation today? Just raise your hand up high. I see that hand back there. Anybody else? those of you who raised your hands, just you can pray this prayer, you can whisper it, you can pray it in your heart, but just accept right now in your own words the gift that Jesus is offering you. Jesus says, if you'll, if you'll open the door of your heart to me, I will come in and I'll have a relationship with you. Open the door of your heart right now and welcome him into your life. And you can do that by just simply saying, Jesus, I accept you into my heart and into my life right now. 
I thank you that you came as a baby in a manger to die on a cross and to be raised again so that I could have a relationship with God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have provided a way for me to be forgiven of my sins, for my life to be changed, and for me to be brought back into your family and to become a child of God. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for changing my life. God, I pray for those who raised their hands this morning. I just ask you, God, to be close to them right now. May they, may they literally sense the very arms of God being wrapped around them and embracing them as a father does their child. And God, for all that you have done and all that you are going to continue to do in our lives in this upcoming week and throughout this Christmas season, we'll give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. We pray it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.